time. Talk Radio 790K ABC. Good morning to you all, Royal Oaks. In for Doug McIntyre this week. Good morning, Rob Marinko. Good morning, Royal. I gotta say, I was pretty, pretty impressed a couple of minutes ago when you rattled off that, I think it was an Indian name, Pedram Hedo. Javari. You see, I'd take about 15 seconds. It just came (laughs) tripping off of your tongue. Now, well, if you I've spent had a little some, to drink, so it's you, easier. It relaxes, you know, the throat, the muscles, and the yeah. Have you spent some time in Punjab or I uh, beg your pardon? Calcutta? Well, you know, it's a perfectly legitimate place to spend time. Yeah, in. why not? Uh, just, uh, but you, you haven't spent time in that part of the world. You know what? I cheated. I, I am familiar with the name. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Well, see, you're a newsman, and so you have to do that. That's why I'm here, Royal. <laughs> Exactly That's right. Well, look forward to, to working with you today. It's it's going to be a big news day. And uh, one of the things that makes it big is the uh, subject uh, our first guest, Bob uh, Costantini, KABC contributor. Uh, Bob's going to help us sort out the uh, reaction by Americans to the recent uh, terror incidents. Uh, Bob, good morning. How are you? Uh, good morning, Royal. Uh, good to be with you. Yeah, you know, this um, CNN's poll that came out saying uh, more Americans uh, say the terrorists are winning than ever before, really discouraging. I, I guess not too surprising, though. I, uh, w- what's your take on it? And I wonder if people sure. think uh, this is mainly a San Bernardino reaction, uh, or is it uh, more of a widespread feeling? Well, Royal, uh, in the wake of the uh, Paris attacks and then the San Bernardino attack. Uh, you know, Americans have been feeling jittery about uh, the uh, Islamic State fight against Islamic State and other terror groups. And the president has gone out of his way in the uh, past uh, couple of weeks uh, before he went on vacation to uh, do things that highlight how the United States is trying to stay on top of the situation, uh, you know, going to the National Counterterrorism Center, visiting the Pentagon, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but the CNN ORC poll uh, that is out uh, was out uh, a couple of days ago, shows that 40% of Americans uh, believe that uh, Islamic State and terror groups are winning the so-called war on terrorism. And that's kind of a, a broad uh, idea is that terrorists are winning. Uh, as many uh, believe that it's a stalemate right now, and only 23% uh, think uh, that the United States and its allies are, are actually winning the war against the terrorists uh, you know, again, it's broad generalities, it's perceptions, et cetera, et cetera, uh, juxtaposed with what we've seen in the uh, past couple of days with the Iraqi forces retaking Ramadi. And, you know, it's interesting looking at this CNN poll that it, it seems to cut right across party lines. Often Democrats yeah. and Republicans differ kind of dramatically on, yeah. on these issues. But, for example, 55 percent of Democrats think are, are discouraged. They say terrorists are always going yeah. to find a way around our efforts. And exactly the same number, 55 percent of Republicans feel the same way. And it's 62 percent independents. It's kind of unusual that uh, you see sort of a bipartisan opinion here. Yeah, Royal, and also uh, a majority of Americans are dissatisfied with how the president has been handling uh, this situation. So that's that's why, uh, in the wake of uh, Paris and San Bernardino, et cetera, uh, and, and the jitters that we've had over the holiday season when the president uh, had a year-end news conference, he spoke about uh, trying to you know go about our business, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that's why the White House is trying to get out the message as best it can that the United States is uh, doing uh, what it can, short of sending a significant number of ground forces uh, into Iraq and Syria uh, to uh, help fight ISIS and fight other terror groups around uh, the world. 
and especially since ISIS also is getting, trying to gain some foothold in Libya, uh, trying to gain a foothold in Somalia, trying to get into two countries there in particular where chaos continues to uh, reign. And um, even as it's kind of lost some territory in the so-called caliphate in Iraq and Syria, uh, with the help of U.S.-led airstrikes. It's interesting, we're talking with Bob Costantini in Washington, it's interesting the intersection of politics and the national security issues. Sure. I mean, as you say, the president's been putting on a big push in the, in the last few weeks at the end of the year. Uh, that speech he gave a couple of weeks ago, it, it kind of went over like a lead balloon. He, he looked awkward. He was, he was standing at a lectern in the Oval Office, not not seated at, yeah. at the desk. People were talking about kind of superficial things like that. But essentially they were saying, we, you know, we didn't hear anything new. And then when, when everybody was dumping on him, suddenly Donald Trump seizes the headlines by saying, let's ban all Muslims from coming into the U.S. Mm-hmm. And the Democrats were kind of happy because it took the heat off of uh, the, the president's ho-hum performance. And, and the focus instead went on, gee, you know, did, did this guy once again go over the top? Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to disagree with you, actually, about that, in that uh, you have Donald Trump uh, with his proposal to ban all Muslims in this country. Uh, was considered, uh, you know, perhaps over the top uh, by uh, some in his own party, even uh, as well as, uh, you know, uh, Democrats, obviously, yeah. uh, but some independents or whatever. Uh, but it only serves him well, if we're going to talk about the politics of this, it serves him well within uh, the uh, hardcore uh, Republican base that seems to just uh, uh, follow his every word and agrees with him. Yeah, pl- that, plus you're seeing some yeah. some legal folks saying, you know what, it sounded wacky at first, but uh, actually uh, foreigners aren't entitled to constitutional rights. And yeah. even though it would be clearly a violation of the First Amendment if you treated American Muslims differently from folks with other faiths, uh, they might be able to get away with it. You know, I, I want to circle back to the first point we were talking about in terms of, uh, of Americans thinking, uh, being discouraged that we're not winning the war. It's sort of fragile. I mean, we can make progress. Like in Ramadi, the Iraqi government, we're learning in the, just the last day, is taken over most of that crucial city from ISIS. You know, big victory. And yet, if you have one shooting, one mall incident here in the U.S., I think Americans' attitudes are going to dramatically move toward, oh my gosh, you know, what can we do to stop these lone wolves? We're really kind of powerless. And that's the two fronts that this uh, war on terror is... Uh being waged right now in particular especially with isis uh continuing to try to use propaganda to uh incite uh uh, muslims around the world to either join their cause or do whatever little thing and i don't want to downplay that but obviously whatever an individual uh can do or in the case of san bernardino perhaps uh two people um who as we've discovered once looking deeply into the background may have been radicalized before any of us even heard of isis truthfully but um, that's the, that's the thing. The two fronts um, you're hearing uh, just today. Uh, the administration continues to try to get out the message about the fall of Ramadi because Americans are busy with holiday activities. They aren't necessarily following the news. The Pentagon has sent out uh, its key spokesman in Iraq to go on morning television shows to talk about it, and uh, as a key turning point in the fight there. But the fight here is what has most Americans deeply concerned about uh, people who might be motivated 
uh, to uh, buy ISIS propaganda or some other terror group, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, no, I being on their own I, difficult I, as we know to stop. I agree with you. Last question for you: um, the the civil liberties issue. I have a feeling it's going to explode if there's another incident in the U.S. It's kind of bubbling beneath the surface. There's such a strong uh, difference of opinion between left and right. I would think, I don't know what your thought is, but I would think that if there is another incident here, man, it's going to be just take the gloves off, you know, wiretap, uh, surveillance, uh, get drones in everybody's backyard. Uh, Do you think that's what we're looking at? Well, it's obviously from a a Republican uh, standpoint that might be the case. But, uh, you know, it's it's a question of, look, one of the San Bernardino uh, shooters was an American citizen who's been in the country all his life. so yeah, that uh, it poses the question of how deeply we would we should have looked or could have possibly looked into his uh, wife's background before allowing her into the country, and if she had not been allowed, would he have acted on his own otherwise? It's it's hard to get into people's heads, uh, needless to say. Uh, but yeah, I, I I I you know whether or not another incident, uh, heaven forbid. Uh, does occur, whether or not uh, there will be a significant amount of backlash, uh, you know, among the American people, or do they kind of understand that it's very difficult to stop individuals from uh, doing what they might do inside their own minds? You know, I, I, it's hard to say. Yeah, it's tough. It, it, it is a big mind game. Hey, Bob yeah, Costantini, uh, Washington, D.C., thanks for sharing your thoughts on this. You have a great day. All right. Well, thank you. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. 545 The Time, Talk Radio 790-KABC, Royal Oaks. In for Doug McIntyre this week. Let's check in with Bill Thomas on the roads. Morning, Bill. Money, money, money. Must be funny in the rich man's world. Money, money, money. Always sunny in the rich man's world. 548 The Time, Talk Radio 790-KABC, Royal Oaks. In for Doug McIntyre this week. So Rob Marinko, this is uh, this is Abba. Would this be Abba? <laughs> it sounds like Abba. Yeah. yeah okay. Who else could it be? Well, see, I I asked the question, Randy, and and I, Rob, you know, he did hesitate. So that suggests perhaps it wasn't on the tip of your tongue. No, I knew it was Abba. You know, it's I, funny. I, I knew it was in the. And yeah. yet, if if I was asked about a thousand dollars, I wouldn't know for sure. I mean, it wasn't like Mamma Mia, uh, you know, it, it wasn't didn't jump out at me instantly. But what a great tune. Uh, and okay. you know why Randy played it? I'm really angry about this. I'm really <laughs> angry about no, this. Why is that? He played it because the top story is the affluenza kid. Oh, the yeah, Brant. Yeah, this guy, 16 years old, he's uh, he's got a blood alcohol nearly three times the legal limit. He kills four people. And what does the judge do? Now, look, I'm really unhappy about this, and I'm going to give you 10 years of probation. If this ever happens again, I might give you some jail time. Goodbye and good luck. Now, the whole country was outraged. So that's 2013. His probation says... You can't be around alcohol. You can't be around drugs. You got to check in with your guy and go to the probation. What does he do? He's partying. He's doing the beer pong thing. It's on video. It's on the internet. And so he skips town. He doesn't see his probation officer. So the affluenza kid heads off to Mexico with mom. Who, yeah, who, of course, was the cause of the problem in the first place, presumably. I mean, the affluenza defense 
just pissed off the whole nation. It, what it said was, you know, he was a rich kid whose parents didn't set limits for him. He didn't really know the difference between right and wrong yeah. as a result of his privileged upbringing. That's the affluenza defense. And it worked. I mean, I don't know if this judge is still on the bench, uh, but he really ought to, people ought to take a, a hard look at that. But bottom line is, the guy's off in Mexico. Apparently, he, he and his mom skipped town. The cops looked, and they found the house, and it was stripped. It was totally empty except for a pinball machine. Okay? <laughs> I, these are wonderful that these people are on the planet. I, so just, now, I just hope that the right thing will happen. Well, this is this. a do-over, okay, for sure. Yeah. This is a, a major do-over. But, I mean, I, I would love to have people's thoughts on this, because I think he ought to get the max 10 years in prison for violating probation. 1-800-222-KABC, if you've got thoughts. 1-800-222-5222. If you were the affluenza kid judge now, as he's being brought back to Texas, tell me what you would give this guy. And is, is there anybody out there who would say anything other than give him the total max? I mean, yeah, he was 16, and yeah, maybe his parents did bring him up in a way where there weren't any rules. But my God, don't we want to send a message to everybody on the planet that if you get drunk to the tune of three times the legal limit and you kill four people, shouldn't you see the inside of a jail at least briefly? And the other maddening part of this, Royal, is the psychologist, apparently the family hired, uh, gave the court an argument that essentially said because of the wealth, the kid did not know right from wrong. Right. And I don't care how rich you are, how poor you are, how you've been raised. When you're 16 years old, if you know uh, how to get drunk and you know how to drive a vehicle, uh, you know the difference between right and wrong. And uh, th this judge had to be high. And the psychologist admitted uh, that he he really uh, shouldn't have used the word affluenza. It was misleading and so on. The, the defense attorneys regretted the idea uh, that this affluenza defense w was the label that was attached to it. Uh, you know, Why this, would they regret anything? They won. Yeah, exactly. The, they won. The, the expert witness, uh, his side won. I'm sure he got plenty of other, other cases. But, I mean, you know, a drunk driver who kills four people and gets only probation— because he was a rich kid whose parents didn't set limits for him. Mm. I mean, give me a break. Uh, <laughs> as you say, you know, the idea that he couldn't distinguish between right and wrong. Now, it, it's not for sure that they've got him on violating the probation in the sense that it, it, we don't know for sure if he was drinking or if necessarily there was alcohol. It looked like beer pong based on the video that was on the Internet. So it's possible that at the end of the day after they investigate, they'll only get him for not visiting his probation officer, skipping town, leaving the county, which he's not supposed to do. But I'm I'm guessing that they'll have him on being around alcohol as well. And you know what? Whether he was around alcohol or not, uh, you know, w w there are do-overs in the legal system. And we had a big do-over with O.J. Simpson. Yep. And maybe there be a, ought to be a do-over with this affluenza kid. I mean, it really is infuriating to think that uh, that he would skip. And have you seen the pictures of him on the Internet? Oh, the guy yeah. looks just so, so sullen and, and, and he supposedly been the rehab and therapy and so on give me a break this judge hopefully will learn from this case 553 the time on talk radio 790 kabc royal oaks in for duck mcintyre bill how are the roads looking oh poop 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 
Talk Radio 790 KABC, Royal Oaks, and for Doug McIntyre. We like to keep it on a high plane here, don't we, Rob Marinko? You know? Yeah. This isn't this isn't NPR, but we aspire. Right. So, so Rob, uh, Indians, uh, we're talking dots, not feathers. Uh, Indians are fans of online shopping, uh, but have you heard what they're shopping for these days? No, do tell, Royal. Well, uh, they are flocking to the online marketplace, um, but there's one item that's flying off the virtual shelves. Online retailers say cow dung patties are selling like hotcakes. For what? Well, the patties, uh, first of all, we need to define the patties. Cow poop mixed with hay and dried in the sun. I don't know if you heard that definition. That's my preference. Yeah, I think there's Countess in the background. I uh, remember Countess from uh, Pee Wee Herman's uh, 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 show. It's been a few Pee-wee years. Pee Wee Playhouse. Sure. Yeah, 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 it was a good one. So uh, the the patties were made mainly by women in rural areas, used to fuel fires, and they've long been available in India's village. But online retailers, including Amazon and eBay, are now reaching out to the country's ever increasing urban population, feeding into the desire of older city folks to harken back to their childhood in the village. So this is an important story. I'm shocked, really, that you haven't included it in any of your recent you newscasts, <laughs> Rob Marinko. Yeah, I am a little shocked. Uh-huh. Some retailers say they're offering discounts for large orders. So well. if you want a whole lot of uh-huh. cow dung, uh, some customers are asking for gift wrap. <laughs> yeah. Cow dung cakes have been listed by multiple sellers on the platform since October, according to an Amazon India spokeswoman. Now, here, I should ask you to pronounce her name, Madhavi Kochar. You could have done that a whole lot Oh, that's better. perfect. Okay, thank you. Good the, enough. The, the orders come mostly from cities where it would be difficult to buy dung cakes, she says. In India, where Hindus have long worshipped cows as sacred, cow dung cakes have been used for centuries for fires, whether for heating, cooking, or Hindu rituals. Across rural India, piles of drying cow dung are ubiquitous. <laughs> oh, another name here. Radhiki uh, Argarwal. You would be so good if you, yeah, of, of Shop Clues, a major online retailer in India, said demand for the cow dung's uh, cakes spiked during the recent Diwali festival season, the time when Hindus conduct prayer ceremonies at their homes. You know, if you buy them over in India, you could really pinch off a good deal. <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> so anyway, folks, you can get anything you want on the internet, just not just at Alice's Restaurant. 5.59 the time, Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre. When we come back, you're not going to believe this story. Lawmakers may be forced to wear the logos on their suits of the folks who contribute money to them. Stay tuned. I'm tired of a balanced breakfast. I'm cooking for Coca Pops. Uh, what time does it start? Not tomorrow, not after breakfast. <laughs> now. now. It's McIntyre in the morning with Doug McIntyre and Terry Ray Elmer. 607 The Time, Talk Radio 790 KABC, The Place. Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre this week. Hope you're having a good Tuesday, a nice, relaxed week. So, Rob Marinko, somebody has come up with an amazing idea. What's that? I think people are going to get behind it. Well, eh, the idea is, you know, everybody's ticked off about politicians being for sale. And, you know, they're taking money over the table, under the table. Uh, It's a problem. You know, a big debate over contributions. But most people are are pretty ticked off about it. Uh, And, yeah, there, there are some ways you can dig in and figure out who gave what to politicians. But here's an idea. You know how NASCAR drivers have the logos on yes. their sleeves yeah. and their shirts, the yeah, tires and the oil and so right. on? There's a ballot initiative that may wind up uh, in front of voters that would require, <laughs> yeah, you know where I'm headed, sure. that would require 
our lawmakers, Good. while they're in the uh, the state assembly and state senate chambers debating and you know being Daniel Webster and pounding the head, to wear the logos of the contributors. This is one of the most wonderful ideas I've heard oh my this gosh. year. It's it's great. And so the idea is the bigger the contribution, the bigger the logo. It's like sure. you know you wouldn't have a tiny little. Well, that's uh, how it works in NASCAR. The more money you mm-hmm. put into the team, the bigger your logo on the car it, and on the uniform. It makes sense. So. Uh, uh, he, here's the here's the guy that's doing. He's had a lot of ideas. He's a big entrepreneur billionaire. John Cox is his name. He wants a 2016 ballot initiative that would require state legislators to wear the logos of their top 10 campaign contributors on their clothing when they advocate for policies on the Senate or Assembly floor. <laughs> and can you imagine the, the pictures that would run in the newspaper? Uh. His campaign is titled, California is not for sale. And he kicked it off with the life-size cardboard cutouts of all 120 members of the state legislature, each adorned with logos from companies like Chevron and, and unions, including the California Teachers Association. Oh, good. So it works that way, too. I'm glad to hear oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Whoever is paying money, you know, whether it's unions or companies or whatever— uh, maybe they'd have you know pictures of individuals too. You know, some some rich guy trying to influence uh, the legislative process. Cox says he wants to call attention to the problem, namely that our elected leaders are controlled by their funders. And of course, he's tapping into the Donald Trump message because remember that was kind of a big theme that Trump had the first several weeks of his campaign that I think caught people's attention. Namely, you can't buy Donald Trump. He's worth, according to him, eight, ten, eleven billion dollars. The 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 financial magazine said it's more like two or three billion. You know, Donald's exaggerating, but either way, he's got coming money coming out of his ears, and and so his attitude was: all these other politicians, they're bought and paid for, but not me. So that's that's what this guy's tapping into as well. Uh, he says it's a serious initiative. It is not a joke. It's not a stunt. He says, if you came down from Mars and you looked at our electoral system, you'd say to yourself, how dumb is this? You've got a system under which people who want something from government fund the campaigns of the people who make the decisions. Uh, Incidentally, great impersonation of a Martian. That was spot on. Well, you know what ticked me off is why does he think Mars is higher than we are? He says, (laughs) well, if they came down from Mars, why can't can't we be higher in space? Can't we decide who's high? Anyway, that's probably... He's a planetist. Yeah, I'm probably overreacting. Uh, His his group plans to begin gathering signatures using paid circulators and volunteers in January. He's confident he'll be able to get on the ballot. He said at his launch events, we had people coming up and asking if they could sign a petition. I mean, it's like your reaction and mine when we heard about this story. Wow, this would be so much fun. Who to would s- not sign that? But I'm, exactly. I'm ready to sign right now. Exactly. So it's it's the first element of a two-part uh, plan that uh, he wants to reform state government. He he also wants uh, a neighborhood legislative initiative that would create many electoral districts for neighborhoods. That sounds a little wacky. I think the other one's gonna is is the one that's gonna have legs. Uh, neither political party is expected to be thrilled with the proposal <laughs> of uh, putting logos of your contributors on. I, it's too bad uh, that they wouldn't be forced to wear them 24-7. But I guess he's saying only when they're on the floor of the legislature and they're talking about bills that they're pushing, then you, you'd be adorned. Right. You'd be festooned with the logos <laughs> of your contributors. And the Southern California Gas Company could have like a little methane cloud. You know, <laughs> That's the- exactly right. <laughs> uh, he said uh, Democrats, of course, control the state legislature. So they're going to be a little sensitive. Republicans have a stake in defending the status quo, according to Mr. Cox. Uh, He's a former Democrat 
who switched parties uh, with President uh, Reagan's election in 1980. He calls himself kind of a Jack Kemp Republican, uh, emphasis on entrepreneurship, opportunity, and competition. He, he owns five businesses. Uh, this, uh, this fellow John Cox is pushing the, the plan to force legislators to uh, wear logos. Uh, he's planning to put his money where his mouth is. He says, I'm not Donald Trump, but I have more than enough to get this on the ballot. I think he may have been also the, uh, the guy uh, who was pushing this idea of having six Californias, which nobody was, nobody was in favor of. Uh, although it would have been nice to have 12 United States senators from California. I oh, mean, wouldn't that be great? We could yeah. really run the show then. Uh-huh. Uh, he says California is widely considered to have one of the most dysfunctional legislatures in the country. So there's a need for it. And California has a history of ballot initiatives and a record of being an innovator. This might be something that leads the country. He said, can you imagine members of the U.S. Congress wearing these stickers? So, yeah, maybe maybe it will spread. And when you think about it, it is really nice that we have the ballot initiative, initiative option here in California because otherwise we're a strictly one-party state. I mean, it used to be when I was growing up, you know, you'd have Republicans uh, win the governorship every once in a while. You know, they'd sneak in and, and, and run the legislature. I mean, right now, every single constitutional office in California – whether it's treasurer or superintendent of public instruction, lieutenant governor, governor, every single one is is held by a Democrat. And it's been that way for a long time. The only recent exception being Schwarzenegger. And yeah, was he really, not, you know, exactly. not so political. He was more muscular yep. than political. <laughs> Plus, virtually a, a, a veto-proof majority for the Democrats, close to two-thirds in either house. So, you know, I, I disagree with with most of the Democrats' policies, so I'm biased in that sense. But, you know, it's not healthy either way. It wouldn't be healthy if the Republicans had total control because, you know, good things come out of compromises. And one of the only ways we can have any kind of other look, uh, other side of the story, is the ballot I- initiative. Uh, and this guy is going to try to use it. So uh, yeah, let's let's all get let's all get behind it. I'd love to see those uh, lawmakers uh, wearing the logos on uh, uh, in the legislature in Sacramento. Six fourteen, the time. Talk radio seven ninety K A B C. Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre. When we come back after traffic, we're uh, going to be talking with Jim Roop uh, about a uh, poor gentleman who fell off a cliff and dying while looking at his cell phone. Jim will have all the details. But we do traffic on the four, so let's check in on the roads with Bill Thomas. Bill, text me Merry Christmas. Let me know you care. Just a word or two of text from you will remind me you're still there. Talk Radio 790-K-A-B-C, Royal Oaks and for Doug McIntyre this Tuesday morning, 6.15 our time. And um, we've got, uh, we got a tragic story to talk about. Uh, this gentleman uh, fell off the cliff uh, while he was looking at his cell phone. And we have just the newsman who can give us all the details. Jim Roop, welcome. Uh, how you doing, Jim? I'm very well. Hey, before we get to uh, this tragic story, I think you should weigh in on the story that Rob and I were just talking about. Uh, uh, There's an initiative coming up on the ballot to force lawmakers to wear the logos of their biggest contributors, just like the NASCAR guys, you know, on their jackets. Uh, We're prepared to sign the the petition. Does this sound like something that might be of interest to you? Or uh, I I, I think most Californians might get behind it. I would like to know where the money's coming from and who they're in the pockets of. That would be a nice thing to know. Yeah, I think it's going to make for some uh, nice photo opportunities, perhaps, on the, <laughs> on, the, on the floor of the legislature. So you've been covering this story. Uh, you know, we, we see this uh, with disturbing, alarming frequency. Folks have got their uh, 
focus on their cell phones. Uh, tell us about what happened to uh, poor Joshua Burwell of Indiana. Yeah. 33-year-old guy visiting from Indiana was driving along uh, San Diego's cliffs, uh, Sunset Cliffs in particular. I don't know if you've ever been down there, but it's a beautiful area. A lot of folks gather there for the sunset, a lot of picture-taking. Uh, he got out of a car was walking to the cliffs. Either he had taken a picture and was looking at it, now this according to witnesses and the lifeguards there, or he was preparing his phone to take a picture, but he just went a little too far and wound up plummeting, what, 60 feet to the rocks below. Uh, there were several bystanders who scurried or tried to anyway, it's pretty treacherous, to go down those cliffs, uh, tried to administer CPR. He didn't survive the fall. But the big issue, again, is not, it's not just about distracted driving. It's uh, a lot of folks are injured. I think I saw a stat, uh, 3,000, a little over 3,000 people uh, were, were killed in crashes involving distracted driving, but nearly a half a million people are injured every day. And that's walking into poles, uh, falling off of curbs, walking into pools, that kind of thing, from people who have their heads down into their devices and not up watching where they're going. Jim, just yesterday I was uh, going home from KBC and uh, in the beautiful city of Burbank, and some young man, some kid, stepped off a curb. There's no stop sign. It was an open intersection, no light. Stepped off a curb with his head down, didn't even look up. And I, I came within, I don't know, 10 feet of hitting him. I had to hit the brakes and pretty heavy to stop. And he kind of started, looked up, and I, and I put my hands up like, you, aren't you even concerned about your own safety? And I see it every single day. And they're like automatons. They got the head down. They're walking along. And the, the the other the other thing about this is that they're they don't realize that there's a world going on around them. Somebody could be coming up behind you to mug you or, or take your belongings or you know knock you on the head. And they just you know the heads down and they're fiddling with their thumbs or watching a video. It's it's nuts. Yeah, the same thing happened to me in Burbank yesterday too. But it was the Costco parking lot. So it was, you know, I, it, it's just crazy. But people get into their own little world, and they really believe they're the only ones in the world. And then when you when you raise your hands like, what are you doing? They get angry with you. Yeah. Oh, that, you, yeah, that's you know, the other phenomenon I, now. Yeah. I think I've got a solution to the problem. Stay out of Burbank. <laughs> you know, it's an obsession. You're right. I mean, yeah. when you go to an airport nowadays, in, in addition to the lovely phenomenon of wheels, because I, I remember in the 80s, I mean, my... my back uh, ached constantly from lugging bags. Nobody lugs anything anymore. It's wonderful. But also, everybody's nose is in their phone constantly. And you notice it isn't just airports. It is truly an obsession. It's it's a pop culture thing. And I don't know that there is, other than staying out of Burbank, I don't know that there is a solution to it. Because I think it's just going to get worse. Because as as technology improves to the point where more and more of our lives uh, can be can be focused and riveted on the device in our hands, I think our noses are going to stay on the screen as opposed to looking around seeing what you're doing. Look, in 2013, uh, in December of 2013, there was a stat that was released uh, by distracteddriving.gov that says 153 billion text messages are sent every month. So I would imagine now it's a little more than that because uh, more people probably have phones than even did two years ago. But that's just amazing, the amount of, of people that have their heads in these devices. And think about this for a second. You're, you're traveling 55 miles per hour. You look down at your phone. The average look away from the road is about five seconds. 55 miles an hour in five seconds is the length of a football field. So think about crossing a football field blindfolded. 
it's just it's ridiculous but yet people do that every single day several times a day and sixty nine percent of people just a month ago according to a survey with the cdc admitted to uh... to looking at their cell phones or their ipads while driving you know jim roop it it isn't just the the cell phone uh, that contributes to the darwin award phenomenon we we just uh, saw a story across that you you may be reporting on uh, police in Germany say a man uh, has died after uh, he tried to blow up a condom machine and he was hit in the head by a flying piece of metal. The police found cash and condom packets lying on the ground, apparently untouched. Uh, apparently he just didn't bring him, couldn't bring himself to actually pay for the condoms, and the poor 29-year-old guy is now dead, a uh, flying piece of metal from the condom machine. So, uh, you know, they're... Yeah, they should have brought protection. Probably so. Probably so. <laughs> so the bottom line is, uh, you know, people ought to be a little more thoughtful. Uh, but I, as I say, I don't know how it's gonna how it's gonna get better because uh, we're just. Uh, I mean, I think we saw this study uh, recently. Uh, selfie deaths uh, outnumber shark attack deaths. Uh, yes, selfie deaths alone, uh, I think, are about a dozen uh, around the world each year. So well, law enforcement is after this incident in San Diego. Law enforcement is really adamant about. Look, it's not just about driving, folks. It's about walking, like Rob says, across the street or anywhere, uh, being just careful of what you're doing and being aware that you are in, an, in a world where there's a lot of stuff going on. And, and law enforcement is trying to get people to understand that, but we are so attached to these devices that we just don't get it. Words to live by, courtesy of Jim Roop. Jim, thank you for the report. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. See you later. 622 The Time, Talk Radio 790 KABC, Royal Oaks. In for Doug McIntyre. Stay with us. Six twenty-seven of the time. Talk Radio seven ninety K A B C. Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre. Happy Tuesday morning to you. So, uh, Rob Marinko, we've been talking about uh, the state legislators possibly being forced to wear the logos of their contributors. Uh, and by the way, if you'd like to weigh in on that, one eight hundred two 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 K A B C. Also, if you'd like to talk about the other story we were uh, getting bent out of shape about the affluenza kid who killed four people in a drug drunk driving incident. Uh, and he got nothing, 10 years probation. He's been uh, found in Mexico having apparently violated his probation. And I say give him the max. He gets his 10 years in prison now. 1-800-222-KABC for your thoughts. So, Rob, a lot of new laws in California uh, going into effect January 1. Well, that's what we need, more laws. We do. Well, here I think we need requires full vaccination for most children to enroll in school. I mean, I don't get it. You know, people can have religious feelings all they want, but kids need protection. There's a public health issue. You know, if they get sick, smallpox or whatever, then then other kids are going to get it. Uh, it doesn't matter what the opinion of the parent is. It's simply to protect the children, and it's not a wacky, outlandish idea. So No, you got weird diseases coming back that we haven't seen in decades. Exactly. Another new law, cheerleaders who root on professional athletes will be treated as employees under California law, and they have wage and hour protections. Now, I don't know about that because, you know, independent contractors, uh, it sounds like cheerleaders are more like independent contractors. But here's the interesting part. Uh, Rob, the assembly woman uh, pushing this bill, Lorena Gonzalez, was a Stanford cheerleader. Okay, oh, okay. so I think under our, our theory about the logos, she should be forced to wear her cheerleading outfit and <laughs> carry pom poms on the floor of the legislature yeah, be, be to show careful. her bias. Yeah, be careful with that because maybe Nancy Pelosi was a cheerleader at one time. Oh, you're right. We don't want to forget see that. it. Burkas. Let's get her yeah, into a burka. Burka's fine. Exactly. That's for that's for Nancy. Uh, another new law: uh, guns on campus, uh, concealed firearms are barred from 
college campuses. Hmm. So, okay, I get it. Only the bad guys should have the guns. You know, the, the, the students just learning Let's about geography. Let's make it a gun-free zone, Royal. Come on. Yeah. I think the statute also has a, a little clause that says the state of California strongly encourages maniacs not to bring guns onto campus. <laughs> Why not have armed guards on these? I can see how you don't want every, you know, Sean Penn, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High slacker uh, packing. But, uh, you know, maybe if you had a couple of armed guards at campuses or public places like San Bernardino, perhaps they could have uh, Mm -hmm. averted the tragedy. So uh, those are among the the brand new laws that we're all going to be governed by come January 1, 2016. 629 at time. Talk Radio 790 KABC Royal. And for Doug, time to check in with Rob and the headlines. Six thirty-six. The time on a Tuesday morning. Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre. Talk Radio seven ninety KABC. Hey, with breaking news, minute by minute. Count on seven ninety KABC to keep you up to speed. Now with the addition of NBC Four News, including a simulcast of the NBC Four four thirty AM news weekday mornings, right before Doug and T Ray. KABC adds SoCal's leading local TV news operation to CNN, AP, City News Service, and Westwood One as resources to better serve your news needs, live and local. Talk Radio seven ninety KABC. So the Ferguson effect is uh, something that folks uh, have been talking about because the uh, statistics uh, on crime have been uh, rolling in. And the idea is uh, perhaps the reaction to some of the police shootings around the country in the last year or so have had an effect on the way that police officers behave. And uh, there's been a spike in the crime rate. Now, uh, uh, Heather McDonald is with the uh, Manhattan Institute. She is the uh, Thomas W. Smith Fellow there, and she wrote a terrific piece uh, several days ago in the Wall Street Journal on this, and we are delighted to have her on the program. Heather, how are you? Well, thanks so much, Royal. I appreciate it. I really enjoyed your piece on, uh, it was the weekend, Saturday, Sunday edition of the Wall Street Journal, uh, and you talk about the Ferguson effect, cops backing off, from proactive policing, demoralized by the ugly vitriol directed at them since a police shooting in Ferguson, Missouri last year. That's that's how you described it. What uh, what are your impressions in terms of all these statistics rolling in on that issue? Well, uh, homicides and shootings are way up. Uh, we've got one one left wing criminal justice center is estimated now about fifteen percent increase in homicides in the 30 (coughs) largest cities of this country. Another left-wing blog has said 16% uh, in the 60 largest cities increase in homicides. This coming after a 20-year unprecedented crime drop that was result of officers going after crime, making proactive stops, and now they're being told that that sort of policing is racist, uh, and they're backing off and the the victims are predominantly uh, minority males. Baltimore now has the highest per capita shooting homicide rate this year in its history, uh, and the victims are almost exclusively blacks. Homicides in Washington D.C. are up about 60 percent. Again, same issue. Uh, you know, we've been having this conversation for the last two decades about alleged police racism in order not to talk about a far more difficult and troubling problem, which is black-on-black crime. And when the police back off, it's, it's poor inner-city residents who pay the price. 
Now, in terms of the uh, the numbers, uh, I know people like to play games with statistics. Uh, you talk in your piece in the Wall Street Journal about how some folks are trying to kind of distort the statistics about uh, crime increases. Uh, what's your take on that? Well, they're they're denying it completely. It's it's ludicrous. I mean, the deniers go all the way up to President Obama. FBI Director James Comey in October gave an extraordinarily powerful and moving speech at the University of Chicago Law School, basically confirming the Ferguson effect and saying that in the 50 largest cities, uh, homicides and shootings were up and up in many cities at extremely alarming rates. And he said that he's talked to officers across the country who tell them that you know, the, the the situation that they're encountering on the streets now when they go to make an arrest is so ugly and and so violent that they're hesitant to to engage in lawful policing. Well, President Obama, a few days later, accused FBI Director Comey of cherry-picking data and distorting the facts in the pursuit of a political agenda. This is the most preposterous statement that I've actually heard coming out of President Obama. The FBI director is the nation's premier keeper of crime data. Nobody knows more about what's going on in crime than, than James Comey. For Obama to, to accuse him of having a political agenda is ludicrous. That's just the top of our, our country. The media uh, is just working overtime to try and pretend that this crime increase is no big deal, and they've, they've got a bunch of strategies to do it, part of one of which is to simply bury the number completely. Um, but they are so committed to uh, the, the nobility of this Black Lives Matter movement, they don't want to admit that it's had any un- negative consequences, and they also don't want to admit that the police make a difference and that when they back off, crime goes up. We're talking with uh, Heather McDonald. She is uh, with the Manhattan Institute. Uh, wrote a terrific piece in the Wall Street Journal. Check it out online uh, from uh, last Saturday. Trying to hide the rise of violent crime is the title. Heather, do you think that uh, we're just headed for more and more uh, problems, maybe as a result of the cameras that are becoming uh, uh, pretty universal out there? It seems like, I mean, police work can often be really violent, really ugly, uh, not necessarily as, as a result of any misconduct by cops, although that obviously that does happen. But with with the proliferation of video, it seems like uh, with a country as large as ours, we're always going to have a steady diet of, of images that inflame people. And I wonder if it's just going to stoke the fires of this Ferguson effect. That's a very good point. Uh you know, in one sense, video is a good thing. When officers are wearing body cameras, they are vindicated far, far more than not. On the other hand, part of it is the way the cell phone videos are taken, that with people thrusting them in people's, the cops' faces, you know, surrounding them, jeering at them, cursing at them. But it is also the case that the public is clueless about how difficult it is to take somebody down who's resisting arrest and it doesn't look nice. And it takes, you know, cops will tell you it will take about five or six cops to subdue a big guy who's determined to resist arrest. And as long as the public is still fed this diet of lies about the police, that when they use force, particularly if it's against a black person, that's an outgrowth of racism, uh, not an attempt to bring 
peace or, or safety to those neighborhoods, that is going to continue this backlash. Yeah, I think it's, it's a real serious problem because, I mean, let's face it. Uh, there are some really bad, racist, evil, murderous cops out there. We've seen situations where they've executed young black men, they've pointed at young black men who are unarmed or are running away, and they've executed them. And those guys should be charged with murder. The fact that we have however many of the tiny minority of cops are like that should absolutely not affect our national approach toward crime and influence cops in general to back off. It's just going to cause a huge number of victims of crime. And as you pointed out, uh, the, the, the most common victims are going to be people of color in low-income areas. That's absolutely right. I mean, you would think, given the media's attention on the handful of videos and, and the Walter Scott shooting in North Charleston, Carolina, was definitely one of those shootings that you mentioned, Royal, where it looked like it was just in cold blood. But there are millions of police encounters every single day. And, in fact, the rate at which blacks are killed by the police is much lower than would be predicted by blacks' crime rates, which is what brings police into minority neighborhoods, by their rate of resisting arrest, which is the biggest predictor of an officer use of force, and by their rate of killing cops themselves. So, you know, the, the police departments have to do everything they can to make sure that their officers are trained to use force only as a last result, and above all, in courtesy and respect. I mean, that is the far more widespread problem of officers becoming gruff and hostile. But that is a small problem compared to the problem of black-on-black -black crime. And as long as that problem remains so astronomical, you're going to have a higher police presence in black neighborhoods, police interacting with black suspects more, and this steady diet of lies about the police being racist increases the chances that blacks are going to resist arrest that puts both the officer's lives and the suspect's life at risk. All right, Heather McDonald of the Manhattan Institute. Check out her great piece in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, thank you for joining us, and you have a great holiday. Thanks, Royal. All right, see you later. 6.45 the time, Talk Radio 790-KABC. Bill Thomas, how are the freeways looking? 6.51 on a Tuesday morning. Royal Oaks in for Doug McIntyre this week. Hope you're having a great holiday week. So, Rob Marinko, uh, you excited about the uh, self-driving car phenomenon oh, just around the corner? <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay, they say it's going to save 30,000 lives or so uh, every no, that's year. Nice. Sure. That's wonderful, but yeah. I, I don't get it. I do not understand. I, I, I see how computers are brilliant and can do so uh, such incredible things, but all of the jillion uh, decisions and, and all of the, the facts that you absorb and, and bring to bear your human experience... Uh, the the people we were talking about yesterday who were on bath salts and they saw possums coming out of their microwave, yeah. I agree. I'd rather have a computer driving their car. But when you <laughs> and I uh, are not under the influence yeah. of bath salts and we're driving, I mean, don't you feel like you'd want that flexibility to uh, to have the human element? The kid with the uh, the phone in his hand yesterday that I almost hit because he was uh, an idiot uh, would probably be dead. And I don't know, but here's the deal. Uh, well, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, pr presumably, if you believe Google, they would uh, uh, save the kid's life better than you would. They, they, they would detect the presence of the carbon unit 
the stupid carbon unit, and they would move the car quickly. But Yeah, Google and its self-driving cars have experienced a number of accidents, and computers fail. They go down. Yep. The human factor is very important. Now, I, I guess the laws... Now, their point would be, though, that our error rate is much higher than the computer's error rate. Yeah, but I'd be I'd feel better stopping my car, pulling over, and yeah, arguing yeah. with a human being. Well, and, and to me, I mean, also, I mean, it's just a billion things that can happen. What if you're driving along and a maniac shakes his fist at you and he says, "I'm going to crash into you in three seconds"? Okay, how do you feel about that? Well, I would take evasive action if I were driving. Right. But what would the computer say? I mean, I, would the computer even hear him or see him? Would the computer say, "It's noted in the hard drive, my passenger will die in four seconds"? <laughs> I mean, you know, or maybe how would you control it? I th- yeah. The Google doesn't even want you to have a steering wheel or pedals. You know that? There's an argument. The state legislatures that are monitoring the, the coming of, of uh, driverless cars, um, they are saying we want people to have a steering wheel to be able to, you know, kick in and have the human element if there's a, if there's a glitch. Google doesn't want it. They want you to be sitting there. Now, maybe that there, there'll be a voice-activated thing where you'd say, uh, car, Mr. Car, Drive to nearest police station. Mr. Maniac Carter. is threatening me. Right. Probably there'll be something like that. Yeah. But it's just so weird and scary. I, I yeah. listen. I'm all for technology, and and I I think it's it's wonderful. And in, in most cases, this is one deal though. When you're talking about speed and unpredictability, road can. It, listen, I I realize that it's probably really safe. I want to drive my car. Yeah, well, it's it's coming though. I mean, it may be several years, uh, five, ten years. But uh, you know, when you're looking at thirty thousand lives uh, a year being saved and really revolutionizing society, I mean, in terms, of, can you imagine commuting in from Lancaster to you know Long Beach, which a lot of people do every day? You know, the nightmare of coming down that fourteen, they just sit there and you know read Charles Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities. That's all good, but I remember when the smartphone was coming out, and they were talking about people saving lives because you have the emergency access to everybody, and and uh, you know now people are dying with smartphones because they're stepping off curbs, not looking where they're going. Yep, you're right. Six fifty four. The time. Talk radio seven ninety K A B C. The place. Bill Thomas. How are things looking on the roads? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. At the time, Talk Radio 790K ABC Royal Oaks. And Doug McIntyre this holiday week. Hope you're having a tranquil, restful week before we all return to reality next week. And Dr. Dahlia, her feet firmly planted in reality, is uh, <laughs> is joining us. How you doing? Not bad. Happy New Year. Well, same to you. You you having a good holiday season? You taking it easy? Or you uh, you no, working hard? Yeah, this is our busy season. Yeah, in, Ooh, norovirus, yeah. Okay. Uh, plus, maybe people like to sneak in before the end of the year because their deductibles are satisfied and so on. Big time. Big time, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. norovirus, I heard some some news report refer to it as a vomiting disease. That's, oh, yeah. That's the uh, the primary characteristic is, is people uh, don't wash their hands and then they contaminate stuff and then folks get sick and, uh, whoops, uh, riding the porcelain pony for a couple of days. Oh, yeah, and riding that toilet seat, it is a bad one. But, I mean, luckily, you know, it kind of comes and goes and passes after a few days, but it is not fun. High fever, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. We've had code browns all week in my <laughs> office, so, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that expression, code brown. 
<laughs> but it's it's good to know it's out there in the medical field. So, oh, yeah. do, so Dr. Dahlia, we wanted to talk to you about this uh, CNN reporter Poppy Harlow. We wanted to ask you uh, why would she name herself Poppy? No, no, that's wrong. That's right. That's not the question. But now that I think of it, that is a little strange. Yeah, yeah, Poppy, true. I know. Well, you know what? I'm Dahlia. Who knew I'm supposed to be a flower also and look at me? Yeah, that, so, that's true. Uh, you know, hers is more well fit than mine. So she, she faints on air in the middle of a big report on terrorism. She was uh, talking away about, uh, about how the disapproval Americans have shown for President Obama's efforts to deal with the radical Islamists. And, and, and she looks fine when she's on screen. She's talking into the camera. And then they cut to a graphic. And she continues to talk while the graphic's on. But she starts to slur her speech. So uh, from your technical medical standpoint, what the heck happened? Exactly. Yeah, no, it sounded very, very scary, but it just shows we women, we could talk through anything. (laughs) You know, I I mean, um, the last time we saw something like this happen was, um, I believe it was Doreen Branson, who had a migraine, and she started to talk very incoherently. Right, the reporter a couple years ago on air. Right, right. You know, so I was thinking, okay, well, maybe she was having a migraine, but when a pregnant woman, it's not that uncommon for pregnant women to faint and be dizzy and, you know, get nauseous. And I mean, she's already, I think, six months pregnant. So it's not that uncommon, which is why doctors still tell us to, you know, take it easy. We have to have a higher cardiac output because we have higher blood volume. And, you know, we have to perfuse now two bodies, you know, the fetus and ourselves. Sure. Um, so it's not that uncommon. But, of course, you know, you worry about more worrisome things like, you know, heart issues or blood clots, pulmonary embolism, things like that. So when she got dizzy, but then right away, I mean, so professional, she got back on air going, look, I am fine. You know, thank you guys for the tweets. And, you know, she was able to close out the segment. That was a relief because if she didn't get back up, that could have been very serious. Well, it's amazing how, how women who are pregnant can, can soldier on through these experiences. I, I just finished reading Amy Poehler's memoir, and, and it's, it's wonderfully written. It's, it's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's such a mm-hmm. tremendous talent. But one of the things she talks about is the fact that uh, I, I guess she's had two babies now, and she was working right through the pregnancies during you know, Parks and Recreation. She was the, the producer, the star, and so on. And you ask yourself, you know, how can they do that uh, when, when the physical uh, demands and all the stuff they're going through are just amazing? Exactly. No, it is. I, I mean, my doctors yelled at me with both of my kids, and I'm not doing this to brag, but I mean, I worked all the way up until I was in labor. And, and it's because I don't really want to sit home and look at myself. I mean, you're overweight, you know, your, your breasts are lopsided. I mean, I, I guess that was my case. And, you know, you just don't want to look but, at yourself. So but you, want you to have work. an excuse for being overweight when you're pregnant. <laughs> right. I was, now, now, exactly. Now, people, <laughs> a, a lot of folks, Dr. Dahlia, thought that this uh, reporter might have had a, a, a stroke. And it's great that, right. that it wasn't that. It was a hot flash or whatever. But, you know, I've seen these public service announcements where a guy, uh, he's pretending to be a comedian. He's doing his routine in a comedy club. And he's talking about uh, stroke symptoms. And, and it's a PSA. It's not a funny thing. But it's, it's really effective uh, about telling people they got to get in. But I think a lot of, of folks don't know why or how it would be a good idea if they feel a stroke is coming on. So, so tell us, what could an ER do, for example, if you get in right away, if you think you might be having a stroke, as opposed to what happens to you if you wait six or ten hours? Exactly. No, good point. When I was an ER doc, I mean, time was of the essence. If There's two types of strokes, basically. You have the one where you're forming a clot. And then there's the one where you could be having a bleed in the brain. The bleed in the brain, uh, brain is less common. But a clot, those could be dissolved, you know, pretty quickly in an ER setting with CPA or whatever else that we could use to, um, uh, to you know, to, to it. 
coagulability, shall we say. So it is imperative that you call 911 and you get yourself to, well, you don't get yourself, but you have 911 get you to a hospital immediately. But what, if it's, a, what if it's a bleed in the brain? Are you, are you saying maybe time isn't so much of the essence? It's just going to kind of no, bleed? You can't do anything it's, about it? No, it is. It, it is. A, it is a, uh, so look at me. Oh, no. I'm having a, oh, no, I'm having a moment. <laughs> no, it is, it is of the essence. Okay. But we could at least, as an ER doc, you know, dissolve the clot. When you have a bleed to the brain, you get neurosurgeons involved. We try to see why you're bleeding. We try to lower your blood pressure so you don't keep bleeding into the brain. And, you know, those we see sometimes with trauma or with certain hemorrhages that people have, they're less common, but the signs can be the same. Slurred speech, um, numbness on one side, weakness. Uh, some people have a stroke and they have a blunted affect where you don't, they don't have any, I guess, response. You're talking to them and they're not responding. So you think they're ignoring you. Right. So some people think that, you know, okay, it's going to be a very positive uh, sort of symptomatology where we see them do something. Sometimes their absence of not doing anything could be a sign of something serious, which is why you always have to check on your family members and go, you know, are you okay? Are you, you know, and then if they kind of look at you and don't really seem to respond, that could be a Yeah, no, I hear you. Hey, Dr. Dahlia, you have a wonderful New Year's. You too. Happy New Year's. All right, thanks. 755 here on KBC. Bill Thomas, how are the roads looking?